0: All right, we are in Isaiah chapter 24, and we're going to be covering a bunch of scripture tonight, at least I'm hoping to cover. I always get really, really ambitious when I'm putting these sermons together, and then I look at it, and I'm like, my goodness, I don't know if I can cover 25 different books in one night, but we'll see what we can do. So uh, you might have a hard time keeping up with me, though, because I have a lot of stuff marked out in my Bible, and you may want to just take notes uh, and look these, up, these verses up later. But this is a a really, to me, it's a very exciting chapter because I think that what we're seeing in our world today is actually being described for us in this chapter or at least leading up to what we see in this chapter. We we see all of the signs of the times of the tribulation and the second coming of Christ taking place right before our very eyes. Uh, Literally, every single prophecy in the scriptures that was predicted to happen in the last days is happening right now, simultaneously, all at once. Uh, and, and Matthew twenty, or I'm sorry, Isaiah twenty-four, is actually about that time period called the Great Tribulation period. And so, I don't believe we're going to see this actually happen. I don't think the church will be here for the Great Tribulation period, the last <clears throat> three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation period. I think we're going to be raptured before that. But we know that we will see signs of the times as we lead up to this period of time called the Great Tribulation. So I've entitled this message uh, Jacob's Trouble. Jacob's Trouble, which is one of the names for the Great Tribulation period. And, and this is gonna be a look at the Great Tribulation. So let's read verse one here in Isaiah 24. Behold, the Lord makes the earth empty and makes it waste distorts its surface and scatters abroad its inhabitants and so the lord here is telling us through the prophet isaiah about the great tribulation period here in 24 of isaiah behold the lord makes the earth empty and makes it waste he distorts its surface and he scatters abroad its inhabitants now you might remember we were in Daniel looking at the 70 weeks of Daniel <clears throat> a few months ago actually but this is where God showed Daniel the future and showed Daniel that there was going to be a seven-year period of time that was specifically coming for his people for the people of Judah and for the city of Jerusalem um, in Daniel nine twenty-four, the Uh, angel told Daniel this about the future he said 70 weeks or 70 periods of seven that word weeks is the uh, Hebrew word shabuim which just means seven plural or seven squared and so it's 70 uh, sevens are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression to make an end of sins to make reconciliation for iniquity to bring in everlasting righteousness to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. So God was telling the prophet Daniel there's 490 years, 70 seven-year periods of time that are coming and at the end of that 490 years all these things are going to happen for your people that would be Judah. For your holy city, this would be for Jerusalem. And then all of this beautiful blessing, to make an end of sins, reconciliation for iniquity, to usher in everlasting righteousness, to fulfill all of the vision and all of the prophecies, and to anoint the most holy place. So he's speaking of when Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is going to return to the earth to set up his kingdom. All of this is going to happen. And then he tells him this, he says in verse 25, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah, the prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks, or 69 sevens. The street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublesome times. So God gave him really the timing of when the clock would begin, the stopwatch would begin for this 493 Uh, a 490-year period, but only 69 of the sevens were fulfilled at this time. So that was 483 years, leaving one seven-year period of time. 69 sevens would be fulfilled from the time of the command to go and restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Uh, That happened in 445 B.C. King uh, Artaxerxes of Persia made the announcement for the Jews to go back and to rebuild Jerusalem, sometime between 444 and 445 B.C., and you go out uh, 483 years from that time, I believe it's March 22nd, 444 BC was the exact date when the order was given to go restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Uh, You go forward exactly 483 years, and it's the time when Jesus Christ was presenting himself there in Jerusalem, uh, riding into Jerusalem on a donkey before he was crucified, before he was rejected and crucified. We read in verse 26 of Daniel 9, So after the 62 weeks, so the 7 plus 62, 69, he says, Messiah shall be cut off. So not only was he predicting when the Messiah was going to come to Jerusalem, but that he was going to be killed, literally. He was going to be uh, assassinated or he was going to be killed. He'll be cut off from the land of the living. But not for himself and the people of the prince who is to come. Shall destroy the city, this would be the Romans, and the sanctuary when they destroyed the temple in 70 AD. The end of it shall be with the flood, and to the end of the war, desolations are determined. Verse 27 Then he, speaking of the Antichrist who is to come, shall confirm a covenant or a treaty with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. So God was telling Daniel there was going to be 483 years. The Messiah was going to be presented. He was going to be rejected. He was going to be killed, but not for himself. He was going to be cut off. Then uh, the. People of the prince the prince who is to come speaking of the antichrist would come in the future they're going to destroy the city they're going to destroy the sanctuary the temple this happened in 70 AD uh, and, and at this point the stopwatch was stopped again so you had 490 years seventy sevens. 483 were fulfilled and then the stopwatch was stopped and there is one week left of years one seven-year period left this is the tribulation period And so we know that the tribulation period is going to begin when he, the Antichrist, the prince who is to come, shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. So this would be one seven-year contract or seven-year agreement that the Antichrist is going to make with the Jews in the city of Jerusalem, with the nations around Israel, likely in order to allow them to rebuild their temple, but in the middle of that seven year period, so three and a half years into it, the Antichrist is going to bring an end to the sacrifice and offerings. The Jews will be offering sacrifices again at this time. And on the wing of abominations uh, shall be one who makes desolate even until the consummation. So, this is the abomination of desolations that Jesus talked about in Matthew 24 where three and a half years into the seven-year period, the Antichrist is gonna demand that he is God and he is gonna demand to be worshiped as God at the three and a half year mark of the seven-year tribulation period. And that last three and a half years is the great tribulation period where he is ruling over the earth. The Antichrist is ruling uh, over the earth during that time. Now, in Daniel chapter 12, We read this in verse 1, Daniel chapter 12, in verse 1, speaking of this time. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book." And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Verse 4, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal up the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase and so God was again showing Daniel what was coming there's going to be a time of terrible trouble on the earth that God was showing Daniel but it wasn't for Daniel's time he said it's going to be in the future seal up the prophecy it's not going to be in your time Daniel but he did give us an indication of what the world would be like when this time period takes place and that he says in verse four many shall run to and fro or shall travel greatly around the earth And knowledge shall increase. And as we look at the world today, We have the internet, we have international travel, people could travel all over the world like never before in history, almost anywhere in the world within 24 hours, except for what's going on with COVID, but um, people are still traveling internationally, the airports are open, they pack them in like sardines and make them wear face masks and tell them everything's okay, Uh, but you can't come sit in a church service where you're 10 feet apart, but you could sit in an airplane where you're literally sitting on people's laps, and that's safe for you, I guess, Uh, and, and so people are traveling to and fro like never before and knowledge has increased like no time in history knowledge is doubling every like few days knowledge is doubling exponentially from people dumping stuff onto the internet so we have this huge increase in information and increase in knowledge compounding knowledge like never before in history and God told Daniel just know That's going to be what it's going to be like in the last days. People are going to be traveling all over the place like never before, and knowledge is going to be increased. But then he says in verse uh, 9, skipping to verse 9 about this time, he says, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. Again, Daniel wanted to know when it was going to happen, but it was going to be you know, literally 2,600 years at least from the time that Daniel wrote this down. And God told Daniel, it's not gonna happen in your lifetime. Seal it up until the time of the end. He says, many shall be purified, made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly and none of the wicked shall understand But the wise shall understand. So in the last days, there's going to be a purification process. There's going to be a refining process. But there's going to be wicked people still doing wicked things. The wicked aren't going to understand. They're not going to turn to God, even though all the prophecies are happening. uh, But the wise will understand. Verse 11, and from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days, but you go your way till the end, for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of days and so from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away this is the abomination of desolations that we read about earlier in Daniel chapter 9 again that Matthew 24 talks about in the Olivet Discourse where Jesus is saying this is where they stop the sacrifices in Jerusalem in the rebuilt temple and the Antichrist goes into the Holy of Holies inside the temple declares that he is God demands to be worshiped as God and demands that the whole world take a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. This is the abomination of desolations, and he says uh, it's going to be 1,290 days. 1,260 days would be exactly three and a half years, but there's an extra 30 days. Something's going to happen at the end of that three and a half years where another 30-day period is, uh, is, is added on here after the three and a half year period, and then there's actually another Uh, 45 days because he says blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days so it's another 45 days plus the 1,290 and we could speculate about exactly what is going to happen then but we won't speculate on that tonight. Now in Jeremiah chapter 30 we read this in verse 5 because God has a lot to say about the great tribulation period especially uh, to his people because it's for national salvation for Israel. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 5 says this For thus says the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Ask now and see whether a man is ever in labor with child. So why do I see every man with his hands on his loins like a woman in labor? Oftentimes, the time of the great tribulation is referred to like a woman in having labor pains when the baby is coming and the signs are going to come with greater frequency and intensity until Jesus Christ comes back he says in verse 7 alas for that day is great so that none is like it and it is the time of Jacob's trouble but he shall be saved out of it God is going to come back and save Israel and save the Jews. Jesus Christ is going to return. But this time is going to be a terrible time. This last three and a half years. It's going to be the worst time in the history of planet Earth. And God calls it the time of Jacob's trouble or Jacob's woe. Verse 8, he says, For it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from your neck and will burst your bonds and foreigners shall no more enslave them but they shall serve the Lord their king or the Lord their god and David their king whom I will raise up for them. And so it's not going to be a bad thing when this time happens because God is going to preserve a, a certain remnant of his people of the Jews at this time that will not be affected or touched by the judgments of God, the 144,000, the two witnesses, etc., that God is going to preserve, that the uh, plagues will not affect them, the enemy will not be able to kill them. And ultimately, God is going to bring a national deliverance and a national salvation for the Jews during this time. Just like Daniel said in Daniel chapter 9, all those beautiful things, those prophecies are going to happen at the end of the great tribulation period and again because this has exclusively to do with Israel and the Jews it has nothing to do with the church the church will not be here for this time we are going to be in heaven while all of this takes place now one more scripture about this in Nahum the little book of Nahum uh, chapter 1 verses 1 to 9 Nahum uh, talks about this the burden against uh, Nineveh let's see Nahum 1 verse 1, the burden against Nineveh, the book of vision of Nahum, the Elkoshite, verse 2, God is jealous and the Lord avenges. The Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserves wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked the Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither, and the flower of Lebanon wilts. Verse 5, the mountains quake before him. The hills melt, and the earth heaves at his presence. Yes, the world and all who dwell in in it speaking of a worldwide shaking of planet earth in the last days verse six who can stand before his indignation this time of God's wrath or his indignation against sinful man and who can endure the fierceness of his anger his fury is poured out like fire and the rocks are thrown down by him the Lord is good a stronghold in the day of trouble And he knows those who trust in him. But with an overflowing flood, he will make an utter end of its place. And darkness will pursue his enemies. Again, this was a judgment against Nineveh. But it's really bleeding over into the great tribulation period. Because that's the time when God is going to pour out his wrath upon the whole earth. And it's going to be the time of his fierce indignation and his fury is going to be poured out like fire upon the sinners of the world who rejected his son jesus christ and who are serving and following the devil's man the antichrist at this time and so there is much in the scripture about this period of time the great tribulation period again back in isaiah 24 1 behold the lord makes the earth empty and makes it waste distorts its surface and scatters abroad its inhabitants. Some translations literally say that the Lord is going to turn the earth upside down at this time. Some Bible translations of uh, Isaiah 24 verse 1 say that it's like the earth is going to be flipped upside down. Many believe that a polar axis shift is going to take place during the Great Tribulation period, possibly at the very end of the Great Tribulation period when Christ is actually coming back on his white horse to judge the Antichrist and to set up his kingdom. Uh, The earth is tilted at 23 and a third degrees on its axis. It's orbiting around the sun, Uh, but every now and again, every several thousand years the earth flips over and the and the poles switch so the north goes to the south the south goes to the north this has happened in history the geologists and the scientists tell us this they're noticing that right now the north pole is moving towards siberia the south pole is moving they're not sure exactly why but eventually what will happen if these things flip is it's very likely that the poles will break apart and the poles will melt, and you will not have ice at the north and the south if they flip. They'll break apart and melt in the ocean. That will create more water. It'll bury a lot of the islands, raise the levels of the ocean, uh, and then create more uh, rain for the earth, and actually will create more of a water uh, uh, vapor protection around the earth, which will allow for green uh, grass and jungles to grow up in Siberia and down at Antarctica which scientists tell us at some point in history there were no poles before the ice age there was no north pole and south pole with ice matter of fact they found woolly mammoths uh, buried in uh, Siberia underneath the the snow and the ice you know uh, dozens of feet underneath buried in ice they have these woolly mammoths who have vegetation in their mouth there was a jungle in Siberia today it's buried in snow Uh, not that long ago in our history, likely when the flood happened. uh, They were buried at that time uh, and there was a a rainforest in Siberia rather than a wasteland of of ice. Antarctica has coal underneath it, which means that there was vegetation underneath the South Pole. It wasn't always ice. And so it's likely that God is going to just Uh, remake the earth when Jesus Christ comes back and it's going to be again like it was in the Garden of Eden, like the whole earth will be like a rainforest and it will just be beautiful and everything will be green and perfect. But God is going to first destroy this planet before he remakes it and none shall escape his wrath who are here on the earth at this time. In verse two, he says, and it shall be as with the people, so with the priest." as with the servant, so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the creditor, so with the debtor. So no one is going to be able to hide from the this judgment of God that's poured out the rich people the wealthy people the kings of the earth the great and mighty men of the earth are all going to be judged at this time including also uh, the uh, angelic hosts are going to be judged at this time also uh, at the end of this uh, age and the beginning of the next age so no one's going to be able to escape verse 3 says the land shall be entirely emptied And utterly plundered. For the Lord has spoken this word. Everything is going to be emptied. Everything is going to burn. There's going to be nothing left. And the whole book of Revelation basically uh, talks about this in the book of Revelation. For example, in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 7, I'll read this to you. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. And I looked and behold a pale horse and the name of him who sat on it was death and Hades followed with him and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword with hunger with death and by the beasts of the earth. So during the great tribulation period just in the first four seals of the seven sealed judgment that the Lamb of God is breaking the seals on this scroll, the title deed to planet Earth, but with the first four seals, one-fourth of the Earth's human population is going to be killed. And this is at the beginning, uh, the first part of the Great Tribulation period. If we have approximately 8 billion people alive today on the planet, that means 2 billion people will be killed by the first plagues of the first part of the Great Tribulation period. We read in verse 12 of Revelation 6, And I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island moved out of its place or was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand and no one is actually going to be able to stand against Jesus when he returns. The wrath of the lamb being poured out upon God's enemies, those who followed and worshipped the devil and his man. In Revelation chapter 9 and verse 12, we're told this, one woe is past, behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who were bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and the day and the month and the year were released to kill ...a third of mankind. These are not good angels. These are wicked angels who right now are bound under the heart of the earth... Uh, in, uh, ...under the, the great river Euphrates. And they're being bound. They're wicked angels. And they're going to be released at this time. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that there's going to be tremendous demonic activity that's going to take place. These are not good angels. They're demons. They're fallen angels. And they're going to kill another one-third of mankind... So again, if you have 8 billion people, 2 billion were already killed at the beginning of the Great Tribulation period with the first four seals being broken. Now you have these four wicked uh, demons coming out and they're going to kill another third of mankind. So now you're at 6 billion people. You're going to have another 2 billion killed. That's half of the world's population will be killed according to the book of Revelation. Before the Great Tribulation period is over, 4 billion people of 8 will be killed by this time. And so no one is going to escape. Nobody is going to be able uh, to run and hide from the wrath of God, which is going to be poured out upon the earth at this time. In verse 20 and 21, we read this of Revelation uh, chapter 9. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood, which can neither see Uh, nor hear, nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or of their sorceries or their sexual uh, immorality or their thefts. So basically, the rest of mankind who were not killed by the plagues, the four billion people or so that are left after the other four billion have been killed, they're not not repenting. They're not sorrowful for what they've done. They're continuing to worship false gods. They're continuing to practice sexual immorality. They're continuing to murder. They're continuing to practice sorcery or pharmakia, black magic, sorcery, the occult. And they're not sorry. They're not remorseful. They refuse to repent. No repentance. And so the wrath of God uh, is going to be poured out without mercy upon the world's inhabitants at this time. Again, back in Isaiah 24 and verse 4, continuing, the earth mourns and fades away, the world languishes and fades away. The haughty people of the earth languish. The earth is also defiled under its inhabitants because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, and broken the everlasting covenant. So the whole earth is mourning. The whole earth is fading away during the great tribulation period. The whole world is languishing. It's fading away. It's all going to burn with fire, the scriptures say. Uh, The haughty people of the earth, the arrogant people, the prideful people languish because the earth is also defiled by its inhabitants. They transgress God's laws. They've changed his ordinances and they've broken the everlasting covenant. You know, we look around at the world today and we see that man has no regard for God. Man has no respect for God. Man has no fear of God in our generation. As a matter of fact, um, there's so many articles that I could share with you about this, but I just want to share a couple with you tonight uh, from the Family Research Council uh, about what is really going on here with... um, this president and the sort of people that he is actually putting into positions of power uh, over our country, President Biden. Uh, This is from uh, Family Research Council and an article here by Tony Perkins just from the last week. And the title of it is uh, Biden, Military's Special Operations to Include Gender Surgery. This is for our Navy SEALs. And our army rangers for the transvestites who want to change their sex and then be a Navy SEAL. Biden is making an accommodation. If there was a honeymoon, he says, it's over. Less than a week into the administration that isn't Donald Trump's, a surprising number of Americans are already regretting his replacement. Within hours of his swearing in, Joe Biden got right to work, alienating core constituencies with his attacks on oil, energy, unions, jobs, and women. Industries that had lined up to support the Democrat were stunned. What happened to the moderate president they were promised. When Biden said he'd unite America, no one knew it would be against him. Just three days in, the hashtag uh, pound Biden remorse started popping up on social media By then, the new president had stopped work on the border wall, shut down the Keystone XL pipeline, and issued an oil and gas moratorium for drilling on federal land, firing tens of thousands of workers in the process. Deeply disappointed was how the head of the North American Building Trade put it after endorsing Biden in October. This will kill thousands of good-paying union jobs, tweeted the Laborers International Union of North America, It's insulting, the laborer's president fumed. Biden is pandering to environmental extremists, and Middle America, the United Association of Union Plumbers and Pipe Fitters argued, will pay for it. In areas like New Mexico, where Biden raked in 54% of the vote, local leaders were just as appalled. The administration's new ban on drilling is a death knell for the state, Carlsbad Mayor Dale Janway warned. President Biden is destroying what's left of our state's economy. How does that bring us together, he wondered. According to most Americans, it doesn't. Only one in five people in this country have a great deal of confidence that Joe Biden can bring the nation together. His early moves, everything from ending women's sports to nixing reliable work, have already made skeptics of key parts of his base. Just as controversial, some say, is who Biden is giving the dwindling number of jobs to. He's throwing open the borders to Central America caravans and promising amnesty to 11 million undocumented workers. At a time of massive unemployment, that means even more competition for work. And in places like the military, a radical makeover is guaranteeing that the men and women who have Uh, who do have jobs, will be too busy embracing political correctness to execute them. After Donald Trump spent four years rebuilding our troops, Joe Biden threw the military back into turmoil by upending the ban on transgender service on Monday. It is my conviction as commander-in-chief of the armed forces, he wrote in his executive order, that gender identity should not be a bar to military service, unquote. Unfortunately for our troops, the new president doesn't seem to care about how his social experimentation affects our actual war fighting. Unlike Donald Trump, who insisted the military study the comprehensive effects of such a policy, Joe Biden from the so-called Party of Science has not asked for any updated information. In fact, he claimed this morning that opening the doors to transgenderism, quote, does not have any meaningful negative impact on the armed forces, and minimal effect on readiness and health care costs, unquote. That's interesting, since the findings of then-Secretary James Mattis in 2018 were that the Obama administration had to ignore stacks of research to justify the change. After waiting through 21 months of actual fallout, the DOD believed that introducing this type of gender chaos into the military presented a considerable risk to its effectiveness and lethality. The memo does a great job dismantling the flawed and outdated RAND study that both presidents, Obama and Biden, have used to prop up their decision. After almost two years of seeing the real impact on troops, the DOD argued that RAND had mischaracterized or overstated the reports on which it rests its conclusions. In fact, officials write... The RAND study itself repeatedly emphasized the lack of quality data on these issues and qualified its conclusions accordingly, a fact that the Biden administration hasn't bothered to mention. Military standards are high for a reason, Secretary Mathis wrote in the report. The trauma of war which all service members must be prepared to face demands physical, mental, and moral standards that will give all service members the greatest chance to survive their ordeal with their bodies, minds, and moral character intact. The department would be negligent to sacrifice those standards for any Cause. Back in 2016, when Barack Obama first injected gender confusion into the ranks, the result was absolute chaos. Instead of making our troops more effective, efficient, and deadly, commanders were retrofitting bathrooms, ordering sensitivity trainings, rewriting healthcare policies, and worrying how to combat the low morale. At the time, Family Research Council's Peter Sprigg warned that it could cost taxpayers up to $3.7 billion over the next 10 years for medical costs and lost deployment time, more than enough, we pointed out, to buy a Navy destroyer. And like a destroyer, this decision is equally capable of sinking our military's mission. And the, and the article goes on. So yeah, we are transgressing the natural laws of nature in our country today Uh, you can't say male or female you can't say he or she they're trying to use pronouns that are gender neutral uh, because it's too offensive to somebody who's transgender if you call them by their biological gender and so uh, you can't say male or female boy or girl you can't say he or she we are just destroying the natural laws of nature and we are breaking the covenants that God gave us, the covenant marriage of one man and one woman has been broken by our society. Gay marriage is legal now. Uh, and, and so, you know, in, in places like Germany, there's brothers and sisters who are full brothers and sisters from, with the same biological parents who are married and who are suing the courts to say that a brother and a sister should be allowed to marry because who's the court to tell a brother and sister they can't marry who they love? Uh, fathers are marrying their daughters who are over 18 and saying, why should we not be able to marry if my daughter's over 18 uh, and I'm over 18? Why can't I marry my own biological daughter if we love each other, we want to be married and they're having children? This is happening all over the world right now because of the confusion of overturning all of the natural laws and the covenants that God had given to man from the time he created man. There's never been a time in history like this before that we're seeing right before our eyes. And this is exactly what would be described as the generation of the last days. They are going to be defiled. The earth is going to be defiled by its inhabitants because they have transgressed God's laws. They've changed his ordinance and they've broken the everlasting covenant. Verse 6 says this, Therefore... The curse has devoured the earth, and those who dwell in it are desolate. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men are left. And again, God is going to burn this earth with fire. The first time God destroyed the whole earth was with water with the flood. He promised Noah with the rainbow in the sky that he would never destroy the whole earth with water again and God's kept his word. He's going to keep his word. However, he is going to destroy this whole earth with fire during the great tribulation period. We uh have the the sin of abortion uh, taking place as they are remembering Roe versus Wade and the liberals are celebrating uh, um, 48 years of legalized abortion on demand in this country. We've aborted over 60 million babies that we know of. They are literally selling and harvesting the baby's body parts. Planned Parenthood has been caught with undercover Project Veritas uh, videos that are out there, and and you know nobody's gotten in trouble except for these poor people that were trying to expose the depravity of what's taking place in harvesting baby parts. The people who are harvesting the baby parts didn't get in trouble, but the guys who videotaped them undercover are facing twenty years in. Prison Because they tried to expose it and I guess nobody cares that they're killing babies in the womb and then they are making money by selling the body parts of the babies for stem cell research and for hair care products and facial products for the super rich. Do you know that it is illegal to harm an eagle's egg? Because an eagle's egg represents an eagle, that there's going to be an eagle perhaps that's going to hatch out of that egg If you mess with an eagle's egg, do you know that you will face a misdemeanor crime? You will face one year in federal prison and a $100,000 fine. You could look this up for yourself. If you harm an an eagle's egg that may not even hatch into an eagle, if you do it a second time, the penalty is $250,000, a felony, and then two years in federal prison. For the egg of an eagle, well, when does an eagle become an eagle? Is it when it's still an egg? When does a baby become a baby? But you could kill a baby in the womb of its mother up to nine months and that's legal in our country? You see, it's become insane. Our world is so wicked that we, uh, we don't even realize the wickedness that is taking place in our world. But God is aware of it and he is going to do something about it. The inhabitants of the earth, he says, are burned and a few men are left. It's all going to burn in the great tribulation period. Verse 7 says, The new wine fails. The vine languishes. All the merry-hearted sigh. The mirth of the tambourine ceases. The noise of the jubilant ends. The joy of the harp ceases. They shall not drink wine with a song. Strong drink is bitter to those who drink it. Verse 10, The city of confusion is broken down. Every house is shut up so that none may go in. There is crying for wine in the streets. All joy is darkened. The mirth of the land is gone. In the city, desolation is left, and the gate is stricken with destruction." In other words, there's going to be no more partying at some point in the great tribulation period. No more drinking, no more drugs, no more parties, no more music, no more celebration. It's all going to come to an end. The the party is coming to a a close. And uh, there's going to be no more partying. This is going to be uh, during the tribulation period. You remember at the first part of the tribulation period... Uh, They were told not to harm the oil and the wine in the first part of the tribulation period in Revelation chapter 6 where the seals are being broken. It says harm not the oil and the wine Uh, when these uh, uh, pestilences uh, destroy and locusts and things destroy the crops of the earth. There's still going to be wine and oil for the rich people at the beginning of the tribulation period but not at the end. At the end the party's over. Uh, and, And the people are going to be just simply facing the wrath of the God that they hate and that they have rejected. Verse 13 says, When it shall be thus in the midst of the land among the people, it shall be like the shaking of an olive tree, like the gleaning of grapes when the vintage is done. So here you have the idea of the shaking of the olive tree to drop the olives to the ground. Again, this is what they still do with trees all over the world. They shake the walnut trees here. I don't know if they shake the olive trees here. I do know they shake the walnut trees because they have walnut trees right next to our property. And it literally shakes this whole property as they're shaking these walnut trees to get the walnuts to drop. And so there's going to be a great shaking of the earth at this time, and God says that Uh, people among the land are going to be like the the few olives that are left on the tree after the tree is violently shaken. Like the gleaning of grapes when the vintage is done. So after you go and you clear out all the grapes from the vineyards, there's just a few little scattering of grapes left after you harvest the grapes. There's a few left that you didn't pick. He says that's how it's going to be with man on the earth. There are going to be so few people left on the earth at the end of the tribulation period because everyone on the earth, most of them by the end of the tribulation period, are going to be killed. Verse 14. They shall lift up their voice. They shall sing for the majesty of the Lord. They shall cry aloud from the sea, therefore glorifying the Lord in the dawning light, the name of the Lord God of Israel in the coastlands of the sea. So the righteous are going to be rejoicing at this time as God's wrath is poured out upon sinful man and upon the antichrist the devil the god of this world the ruler of this world who's destroying this world uh, is going to be judged and the righteous are going to rejoice they're going to cry aloud they're going to glorify the the name of the lord god of israel as a matter of fact we read about this in the book of revelation in revelation chapter 15 and verse 2 we read this Revelation fifteen two, and I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying... Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested." And these are very likely the tribulation saints, the ones who are beheaded for Christ during the tribulation period, the great tribulation period, because they refuse to take the mark of the beast and to worship the Antichrist. And so they are beheaded and they are going to be here before the Lord, worshiping him and crying out that he is marvelous and his ways are great and his ways are just and his ways are True. And so uh, God's judgments are coming. And those who know the Lord understand that God must judge wickedness or he is not the God that the Bible says he is. And so I don't have a problem with judgment. I deserve God's judgment too because I'm a wicked man. I'm a sinner. What do I deserve? I don't deserve his love or his mercy. He gives it to me through Christ. But I understand the wrath of God must be poured out upon. A world like ours, a nation like ours, because the wickedness of our country and of our nation is great. And so the righteous understand judgment. Uh, When God judges, uh, the righteous understand it, and the righteous agree with it. The wicked uh, understand nothing, the Bible says. In Revelation 16, in verse 5, we read this. I heard the angel of the waters saying... You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have judged these things, for they have shed For they have shed the blood of saints and of prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. This is when God turned the waters into blood on the earth during this time of the great tribulation period. Verse 7, I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Verse 8, Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire, And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent or give him glory. So the righteous agree with God's judgment. Just and true and righteous are your judgments, O Lord. Say those who come out of the great tribulation, the tribulation saints, so say the angels who are before the throne of God, but the wicked will not repent And uh, they talk about global warming. It sure is going to be a warm globe at this time. Global warming is not going to be stopped. No matter what everybody tries to do to stop global warming, it's going to get so hot to where people are going to be scorched by the heat of the sun. And instead of turning to God and repenting of their sins, what do they do? They blaspheme him and curse him. Instead of bending the knee, bowing the knee, and humbling themselves before him. And praying and asking God for salvation and for forgiveness. Instead their hearts are so hardened, they curse his name. And they blaspheme the name of God who has the power over these plagues. And they do not repent or give him glory. No wonder God has to judge them. In verse 17... Of Revelation 16, we read Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were noises, and thunderings, and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men have been on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found, and great hail from heaven fell upon men. Every hailstone about the weight of a talent, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. So again, instead of turning to God and repenting, the God who could save them, the God who could forgive them, as the judgments are coming and the judgments get worse and worse and worse during the great tribulation period, uh, instead they blaspheme uh, the God of heaven. Now the great hail that's falling, when it says that it's going to be the weight of a talent, a talent was the weight that a Uh, Roman centurion could carry or a Roman soldier on his back. So it was approximately 90 to 100 pounds. So these are 100-pound hailstones. Everything on earth is going to be flattened during this time. Every man-made structure or edifice is going to be brought down by the earthquakes. Every island is going to go under the water. The mountains are going to collapse. And the earth is going to be pelted with these 100-pound hailstones. When the great tribulation period is taking place and the people are worshiping and serving Satan. Back in Isaiah 24, in verse 16, we read, From the ends of the earth we have heard songs, glory to the righteous. But I said, I am ruined, ruined, woe to me. The treacherous dealers have dealt treacherously, Indeed, the treacherous dealers have dealt very treacherously. You know, uh, there's so much treachery taking place, so much deception and dishonesty and corruption taking place at every level of the governments of our society in in the world today. And even Isaiah uh, the prophet was basically saying, woe to us, to mankind, looking at this time in the future uh, because there's such treachery upon the earth uh, during this time. In Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 1 we read this, then the Lord said to me though Moses and Samuel stood before me yet my mind could not be favorable toward this people cast them out of my sight and let them go forth and it shall be if they say to you where should we go then you shall tell them thus says the Lord such as are for death To death, and such as are for the sword, to the sword, and such as are for the famine, to the famine, and such as are for the captivity, to the captivity. And I will appoint over them four forms of destruction, says the Lord the sword to slay, the dogs to drag, the birds of the heavens, and the beasts of the earth to devour and destroy. I will hand them over to trouble, to all kingdoms of the earth, because of Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, for what he did in Jerusalem. For who will have pity on you, O Jerusalem? Or who will bemoan you? Or who will turn aside to ask how you are doing? You have forsaken me, says the Lord. You have gone backward. Therefore, I will stretch out my hand against you and destroy you. I am weary of relenting. And I will winnow them with a winnowing fan in the gates of the land. I will bereave them of children. I will destroy my people since they do not return from their ways. The widows will be increased to me more than the sand of the seas. I will bring against them, against the mother of the young man, a plunder at noonday, and I will cause anguish and terror to fall on them suddenly. You see, at some point, God's patience runs out, and his wrath is poured out. In Amos chapter 2 and verse 4, Amos says this, For thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not turn away its punishment, because they have despised the law of the Lord and have not kept his commandments. Their lies lead them astray, lies after which their fathers walked, but I will send a fire upon Judah and and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem. God is basically saying he's not going to spare even his own people when they turn against him and they start doing wickedness and they live evil lives and they are celebrating the evil of the nations around them. Not even Judah was spared in this time. In Psalm chapter 14 and verse 1, the psalmist David says this, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt, they have done abominable works, there is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek after God. They have all turned aside, they have altogether become corrupt, there is none who does good, not even one. And then in Psalm chapter 9 and verse 15, we read this. "'The nations have sunk down in the pit which they have made, "'in the net which they hid, their own foot has been caught. "'The Lord is known by the judgment he executes. "'The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. "'The wicked shall be turned into hell "'and all the nations that forget God. "'For the needy shall not always be forgotten. "'The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever.' Arise, O Lord, do not let man prevail. Let the nations be judged in your sight. Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. God is going to judge the nations of this earth like never before in human history during the time of the great tribulation period. It's, It's what he must do if he is the holy God that the Bible describes him as, he must judge wickedness and he must judge wicked kings and wicked people and wicked nations. And this is what is coming upon the world for those who reject Jesus Christ. Verse 17, back in Isaiah 24: Fear and the pit and the snare are upon you, O inhabitant of the earth. This is during the time of the great tribulation period. And it shall be that he who flees from the noise of the fear shall fall into the pit. And he who comes up from the midst of the pit shall be caught in the snare. For the windows from on high are opened, and the foundations of the earth are shaken. Again, there's nowhere to hide during the great tribulation period for the people uh, here on the earth. They're even, in Revelation 6 we read earlier, they're even going to run into the holes in the ground, into the caves of the mountains, and cry out to the rocks to save them from the wrath of him who sits on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, who is coming back to judge the earth, during that time. And we read over and over again that the earth is going to burn with fire and the foundations of the earth are going to be violently shaken. We read in verse 19, the earth is violently broken. Literally, the earth is going to break apart during this time. The earth is violently broken. The earth is split open. The earth is shaken exceedingly. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard and shall totter like a hut its transgression shall be heavy upon it and it will fall and not rise again the great shaking that is predicted to come is going to be like nothing this world has ever seen before literally everything is going to come crashing down at this time when Jesus Christ returns we read for example in psalm chapter 18 and verse 7 Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of the hills also quaked and were shaken because he was angry, speaking about the Lord. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub and he flew. He flew upon the wings of the wind He made darkness his secret place. His canopy around him was dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him, his thick clouds passed with hailstones and with coals of fire. Verse 13, the Lord also thundered in the heavens and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. He sent out his arrows and he scattered the foe, lightnings in abundance, and he vanquished them. Then the channels of waters were seen and the foundations of the world were uncovered at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. The Lord is going to shake this earth and shake it all to the ground and then it's all going to burn according to the scriptures. In Revelation chapter 8 and verse 5, we read this. Then the angel took the censer filled with fire from the altar and threw it to the earth and there were noises and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. There's going to be terrible natural disasters taking place. Earthquakes, thunderings, lightnings and fire falling from the sky during the The great tribulation period. In Revelation chapter 11 and verse 13, we read this In the same hour there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 men were killed, and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great Power and reigned. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. And then, verse 19 of Revelation 11. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple and there were lightnings and noises and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. You're not going to want to be here during the great tribulation period, I assure you. You're not going to be able to hold up in the mountains with your baked beans and your (laughs) AK-47s thinking you're going to survive the great tribulation period. That's the point that God's trying to make here. There's going to be no surviving this. You either trust in Christ and you avoid it and you're taken to heaven or you're going to be destroyed here during this time. There's really no third option. We read in Revelation chapter 16 and verse 18. Revelation 16 and verse 18 again. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. It's going to be a 10.0 plus on the rector scale. It's going to break the rector scales at this time. The biggest earthquakes we've had are nines, nine and a halfs, 9.2s. This is going to be bigger than any earthquake we've ever had. As a matter of fact, they just uh, uh, commemorated a huge earthquake, the Cascadia quake, on January 26th. The year 1700, there was a huge earthquake off of the shores of Washington, the Cascadia fault line there. There was a 9.0 earthquake and, that sent a 33-foot-high tsunami all the way across the Pacific Ocean to hit the islands of Japan. That was a 9.0 earthquake. There was a 9.5 earthquake in 1960, May 21st and 22nd, 1960. A 9.5 earthquake hit there in Chile. It was called the Chile Quake in the Pacific Island there with that same. Cascadia subduction zone and then on March 27th 1964 there was a huge Alaskan earthquake on this same Cascadia subduction zone up in Alaska that was a 9.2 these are nothing compared to what is coming that's what the Bible is saying these huge earthquakes are incomparable to what is coming to this earth the earth is going to quake so much that the entire earth is going to break apart and it's going to burn because of the lava oozing up from underneath the ground And then Jesus is going to come back, set up his kingdom, judge the wicked people, set up his kingdom with the righteous, and he's going to rule and reign over a perfect earth for 1,000 years and then for all eternity. We go back to Isaiah 24 and verse 21. It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord will punish on high the host of exalted ones, and on the earth, the kings of the earth. So he's going to judge the demons at this time as well, the angelic hosts that are wicked, the fallen angels, Lucifer and all of those fallen demons, the angels that went with Lucifer that became the devils and the demons. They're all going to be uh, punished at that time. And on the earth, the kings of the earth, the great men, the kings, the wealthy, the rulers, they will be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit and will be shut up in the prison, and after many days they will be punished. Then the moon will be disgraced and the sun ashamed, for the Lord of hosts will reign on Mount Zion. This is in Jerusalem, on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before his elders gloriously. So the end of the story is is a happy ending because Satan is bound. Uh, there's no more sin on the earth. All the wicked are wiped clean. Uh, God is going to rebuild everything from scratch. Jesus is going to be ruling and reigning in righteousness over the earth. We are going to be ruling and reigning with him as his bride. We are a kingdom of priests, the scriptures say, as his bride. We're going to be ruling and reigning with Jesus over the earth and everything is going to be made perfect. We read in Revelation chapter 18 how God distinguishes between judging the wicked and saving uh, the righteous and saving his people. Revelation eighteen verse one. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, "Babylon, the great, is fallen! Is fallen! And has become a habitation of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird." For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. You see, the Lord distinguishes between his people and between the wicked that he's going to pour out his wrath. He says, Come out of her, my people. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mix double for her. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, and I am no widow, and will not see sorrow. Therefore... Her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her, and the kings of the earth who committed fornication and live luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. God distinguishes between the righteous and the wicked in judgment, but the wicked will be judged if they will not repent of their wickedness. Babylon is gonna be judged. The kings of the earth are gonna be judged. All of those who reject Jesus Christ and accept the Antichrist are gonna face this end But we are not going to be here for this time. Here's where I want to wrap up. Luke chapter 21 and verse 25. Jesus, speaking of this time, said this. And there will be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. So he's saying when you begin to see all of the signs that are taking place are going all the way back to the beginning of Luke 21. He says, if you're the generation that sees all these things beginning to happen, look up, get ready, because I'm coming back for you. Speaking of the rapture of the church, and then he tells us in verse 33, and this is where we we finish, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. And that day come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the rapture. He's saying when you begin to see these things, don't be a drunkard. Don't be out there sexually carousing around. Don't be worried about the cares of this life that you're you're too tied into the world to really see what's going on. You're not walking with Jesus at the time you should be. You're caught up in the parties and the things of this world. He says, be aware, watch, pray that you might be counted worthy to escape out of all these things and to not stand before the Antichrist, the son of perdition, the man of sin, but to stand before Jesus Christ. I do not believe we're going to be here for any of the tribulation period when the Antichrist is revealed because we are not uh, destined to stand before the Antichrist. We are destined to stand before our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I almost got through all my scriptures in about an hour and five minutes. Thank you for allowing me to go a little bit long. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the promises in your word, Lord. We ask for your forgiveness, Lord, for we recognize that we are sinners, Lord, every single one of us, Lord. Even if we don't think that we're sinners, we are sinners, Lord. We live in this sinful body, this sinful world, Lord God. We're surrounded with it. We're immersed in it here. Lord, we pray that you would continue to keep us righteous. We would continue to walk in your ways, Lord God. We would continue to submit ourselves to you, Lord, We would continue to seek you first, Lord, and seek to put you first in our lives, Father. And Father, that you would send your son Jesus to come and to take us to heaven, Lord, soon. We see this world literally going to hell in a handbasket here, Lord. And we don't want to be a part of this world, Lord, as it ushers in the Antichrist and begins to worship Satan and Satan's man, Lord. We pray, Father God, you would use us, Lord. You would empower us, Lord, to be your witnesses in these last days. We pray, Lord, you'd pour your Holy Spirit upon your church and upon your people, Use us to lead many to Christ so that they will not have to be here for this time of the wrath of God and the wrath of the Lamb being poured out upon a Christ-rejecting world. Bless your people, Father. Continue to keep us safe. Continue to draw us to yourself. Keep us from being defiled by the things of this world and come quickly for your people, we pray, Jesus. And it's in your name we ask, amen. Email us at podcast at com. We would be honored to pray for you, as we hope you are praying for us. Good day and God bless from City on a Hill Church to California.